Thank you for making your way back this afternoon. We appreciate so much your willingness to be back. We hope and pray that our time this hour will benefit you. We are looking at Ephesians chapter 6. We've been talking about the relationship that exists within the home, and we've been really trying to stress the importance of a well-ordered home. And I really believe that many of the problems that we face as a nation are tied to the problems that exist in the home today. The old cliche is true, as the home goes, so goes the nation. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The reason our nation is in trouble is because the home is in trouble. We've got to try to somehow get the home back on track. And I would submit to you today that the blueprint or pattern for the home is God's Word. Our goal is to simply look at what God says in His Word and then try to order our lives after His directions. And so look at Ephesians chapter 6. I want to read again verses 1 through 4, and we're going to make some observations. Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture or training and admonition of the Lord. Last week we spent some time and talked about the responsibilities that rest upon parents. And those of us who are parents, we have very sobering responsibilities placed upon our shoulders. And in many ways, it is a stewardship to be a parent. The goal, of course, is to point our children in the direction of heaven. As that ancient warrior spoken of by the psalmist in Psalm 127, and you remember in that context, he said, except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So our goal, our desire is to build our home on the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked a little bit last week about the importance of devotion in the home and as parents to genuinely love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, but then to try to, to the best of our ability, manifest that love toward our children, to show them what it means to love God and then to love them. And there are exhortations in Scripture that teach us that we're to love our children. And sadly, there are people today that just do not have the kind of love that they ought to have. Paul in Romans chapter 1 speaks of those who lack natural affection, and that's the idea. There must be devotion in the home. There has to be direction. That is, we've got to set boundaries. And what I want to do in our study today is talk about some of the boundaries and blessings that are to be found in the home. Now, I mentioned as parents, we have the responsibility of demonstrating devotion, direction. We want to teach our children to discern, to make wise choices in this life. And couple with that, discipline when needed. And I know that that is probably not a popular subject in our day and time, but I do want to deal with it for a moment or two. And I want to suggest now, this is certainly, there are certainly exceptions to every rule. But you cannot have blessings without boundaries. And I think in Ephesians chapter 6, that's what Paul's talking about. That first and foremost, there must be boundaries. As a result of those boundaries, there are blessings to be enjoyed. Blessings that come to the parents, 
but also to the children. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 1 and listen to what Paul said. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now sometimes children might ask the question, why, do, why should I obey my parents? Let me give you two biblical reasons why children ought to obey their parents. Number one, because Paul said it's right. It is the right thing to do. Now, it may be the case that we don't necessarily understand the reasoning behind the boundaries that our parents set. But nonetheless, to understand that what Paul is saying is, as a child, we have the responsibility of submitting or to being obedient to our parents. But then there's a second reason. Look over in Colossians chapter 3. I want you to see something, and I want you to read it with me, because I think it's important for us to read these verses together. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Now, Paul had said, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition or training of the Lord. Parents are to be responsible for the spiritual welfare of their children. Fathers are to be the spiritual leaders in the home. And sadly, some, of, some fathers have abdicated that position. And so, as a result of that, the mother, the wife, has had to assume that responsibility. But look at verse 20 in chapter 3. Here's what Paul said. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So if you want two reasons why, as a child, you ought to obey your parents... Number one, Paul said, it is right. It's the right thing to do. It will always be the right thing to do. Secondly, because in so doing, you please the Lord. And that ought to be the goal of everyone, to live a life that is pleasing to Almighty God. Inherent in the concept of obedience or submission would be directions, boundaries, rules in the home. You remember, for example, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul, in writing to the church in about verse 16, said, let us walk by the same rule. In the original, that word rule there is canon. And sometimes we talk about the canon of scriptures, the books of the Bible. But the idea is that there is a standard. And what Paul is saying is that we are to submit to that divine standard, that divine rule that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit, the product being the Scriptures. This is our pattern for life. Well, in many respects, as parents, we have rules in place in the home, don't we? If those boundaries are encroached upon, what happens? Well, what ought to happen, there ought to be disciplinary measures that are taken. Now, Corporal punishment, and by that I simply mean spanking, or if you remember when you were in school, some of us remember when they used to paddle. I don't know if you ever got a paddling, but I can tell you I got plenty. I didn't like it then, and I sure wouldn't like it today. And we had some teachers in my day that looked like beasts. They were beasts. And they would let you know right up front, you do not misbehave in our classroom. But nonetheless, you know, when we talk about 
boundaries and blessings and rules in the home. You have the option of spanking your children. And you can go back and read the book of Proverbs, and a lot is said about sparing the rod. And those who spare the rod do not genuinely love their children as, as they should. You remember the Bible talks about the Lord loves those whom He chastens. So if we love them, we will discipline them. But not every occasion or every circumstance merits a spanking. It might be that you just sit down and talk to your children and explain to them what they've done, the problems they've created, and give them another opportunity. It could be that you take away some of their privileges. I've heard of people being grounded. Many of us are familiar with that concept. And then not only do you have the, not only do you have the privilege of removing privileges, but you can add. In other words, when I was a young fellow, my dad, there were times when he would make us work. You know, there are always things you can find to do for your children. And so you can remove their blessings and you can add to what they're facing in this life. But nonetheless, there has to be boundaries in order for the home to be run as God would have it to. Now, think about this for a minute. God is a God of order, isn't He? The three institutions ordained by God, the home, the civil government, and the church. In all three of those institutions, what do you have? Boundaries, laws, rules. Rules that are to govern those institutions. It's true in the home. I may not agree with every rule or law that is in force in this country, but nonetheless, as long as those laws do not violate the law of God, my job is to submit. That's what Paul teaches in Romans chapter 13. Now, I mentioned the two reasons why children ought to obey their parents. Number one, because it's right. Number two, because it's pleasing to the Lord. The ultimate example before all of us is whom? It's Christ, isn't it? Think for a moment about Jesus Christ. He had an earthly mother, but a heavenly father. But Joseph served in what we might call a surrogate role in the sense that he was his father here on earth. Go back and look at Luke chapter 2 for a minute. I want you to see something because as we think about the example of Christ, look at Luke in chapter 2. You remember Jesus is about the age of 12, or He is the age of 12 at this time. And the Bible tells us, note if you would, beginning in verse 39. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, look at verse 40. Luke said, And the child, that is Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. In verse 41, we have an account of Jesus and his family going to Jerusalem to observe the Passover feast, which all male Jews were required to do. The Bible tells us in verse 42 that he was 12 years of age. They went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. Now look at verse 43. 
When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of intrigue in that one verse. Imagine if you can, a 12-year-old boy sitting in the midst of these esteemed religious teachers in that day and time. And he's asking them questions. And he's listening to them. And the text says they were astonished at his understanding and answers. At the age of 12, Jesus was something else in many respects, spiritually speaking. In verse 48, the Bible says, When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why is it that you sought me? Did you, not, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So at the age of 12, Jesus understood something about his heavenly mission, didn't he? His heavenly mission and his earthly mission. It was a heavenly mission because that's where it originated. It was an earthly mission because that's where it was consummated. Jesus came to earth to seek and save the lost, as he said in Luke chapter 19. But now note what is said in verse 50. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And I can, I can appreciate that. But now look at verse 51. I think this is a critical verse. The Bible says, He went down with them and came to Nazareth. Now listen to what the text says. And was subject to them. What does that mean? If you said, my children are subject to me, what would that mean? It would mean that they are obeying you. They are obedient to you. Back in chapter 5, when Paul talked about the wives being in subjection to their husbands, as unto the Lord. Just as the church is subject to Christ, Paul said, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. So Jesus at the age of 12 is demonstrating submission or obedience in the home. Oftentimes when we, when we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter talks about Jesus left us an example that we should follow in His steps. We think about Jesus as an adult. But here we have an example of Jesus as a child setting forth a supreme example. It's noteworthy that by way of contrast, you remember the sons of Eli in the Old Testament era? Samuel had been placed, or rather young Samuel had been placed under Eli. And the Bible tells us that one of the problems that Eli had, he had some corrupt sons, and he failed to restrain them. What that says to me is he did not enforce boundaries. We do not do our children a service, but rather I would say we do them a disservice. If we do not have rules and boundaries in place, and then, listen please very carefully, if we do not enforce those boundaries, 
I can't tell you, and I'm sure you've had the same experience, how many times I've been in a department store, grocery store, or some public place, a child has been acting up, and how many times have I heard the mama or daddy say, if you do it again, I'm going to whip you, or I'm going to do this. And then a few minutes later, if you do it again, listen, those child, those they understand you don't mean anything by what you're saying. They know when you mean business and when you do not mean business. How many of you have ever heard of the golden rule? What's the golden rule? All right, Matthew 7, 12. Let me give you another idea along the lines of the golden rule. The golden rule is the man with the gold rules. That means in your home, you're the one in charge. There are a lot of homes where the tail is wagging the dog. If we fail to teach, instruct, and lead our children properly, where do they learn submission? Where do they learn something about authority? They have to begin learning about authority and consequences for violating authority in the home, don't they? Now somebody might ask, the well, why is that? Because if our children do not learn to be respectful in the home, if they fail to honor us by way of our authoritative position, why in the world would we ever think they're going to be submissive when they get to school? And then when they get out of school and get out in the real world, as we say, is it not the case that they have to be submissive to authoritative positions in the country? Sure. What about in the workplace? Are there boundaries, rules, restrictions? Sure there are. And then add to all of that the church. You see how all of this comes together? If our children do not learn to respect authority in the home, why in the world would we ever expect them to submit to the authority of Scripture? We've got to make sure that our children understand right is right, wrong is wrong, right is always the right thing to do, and wrong is never the right thing to do. You've got you to do what's right. And where are they going to learn that? At home. One of the benefits and byproducts of knowing God's Word is, according to the Hebrew writer, that we might be a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, that's what he said in Hebrews chapter 4. That's God's Word. But he said one of the byproducts is that you might be able to discern between good and evil. We have the responsibility as parents to tell our children, look, that can get you in trouble. That can be a problem. You need to stay away from that. There's a second thing I want to, I mentioned just a moment ago, the boundaries. And there, there's an important, I think, point to be made here with regard to boundaries. But what about the blessings? Now I want you to look at what Paul said, beginning in verse 2. Paul writes, Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise. Now let me just pause here and talk for a moment or two about the word honor here. 
The idea is something of great value. Here's something that is precious to you. Here's something that you believe has tremendous worth attached to it. Having said that, go back and look at Deuteronomy for a moment. Go back to the book of Deuteronomy. I want you to see something in connection with this. Really, two different words that are used, one in Hebrew and one in Greek. In some ways, they mean the same thing, but in another way, there's a little bit different meaning. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. You remember in verse 16, with regard to the Ten Commandments, God said, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long. Now the word honor in this verse means something that is heavy or weighty. It also carries the idea of that which is of great value or precious. But I think what Paul is saying here is one of the ways that we honor our parents, we respect them, yes. We are submissive to them. Again, the answer would be certainly we are. But the idea is as our parents grow older in life, there are responsibilities that rest upon us. How do we honor them? Well, we do so in how we treat them, the respect level that they are due. But I believe what Moses is saying here is that as children, when we were young, who fed, nurtured, and cared for us? Our parents did. And what the writer here is saying, what Moses is saying As our parents grow older, they can become a burden in many ways. Our responsibility as children is to help alleviate that burden. That's what it means to honor your father and mother. Now you remember in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus chided some of the religious leaders in His day because they were setting aside certain funds and they were saying it's Corbin devoted to God when really, in effect, what they were trying to do was, that what, I guess what they were attempting to try to get around was caring for their parents. The Bible talks about, in Paul's writings, you remember he talks about the widow who is the widow indeed? In order for the church to be supportive of certain widows in the first century, they had to meet certain criterion, one of which was there was an age factor involved there. But as children, we have the responsibility of trying to care for our aged parents. Now let me just confess something to you. One of the real problems that I've had through the years as a preacher is that I haven't been accessible to my parents like some folks are. And on weekends, when a lot of people have time off, I'm working because I preach. Now, I'm not trying to make excuses, but what I am trying to say is 
that as I have thought about these verses, I've thought, you know, in some ways I have neglected my responsibilities. There are some things that I could have done better. And looking back retrospectively, I wish I had. Now, my parents are both alive, but my dad's in a nursing home. My mom's got Parkinson's and she's in really bad shape. But I'm four hours down the road. And I don't have access to them like I would like. Now, fortunately, in terms of finances and care, et cetera, they're in pretty good shape. But we have a responsibility as children. One of the reasons I said a minute ago why we are submissive and obedient in the home is because we love our parents. As we grow older, isn't it the case that we grow to love and appreciate them more? When I was a young fella, kind of a young buck, I remember my dad would tell me to do certain things, and there were times when he'd say, look, I told you, and there was no reasoning. Look, you know why? Look, I said this is what you got to do. And I, like many children, look back and think about how, you know, many times I thought, well, I don't, you know, I just don't get it, don't understand why they're saying to do this, and they don't really know what they're talking about. But, you know, the older I get, the wiser they look in my eyes. When parents guide and instruct their children and they're using this book as the paradigm. You can't go wrong. As children, you may not necessarily understand why your parents do certain things and why they prohibit you from engaging in certain types of things. But I can tell you, as you get older, and when you have children, you will see the wisdom that they demonstrated toward you in days gone by. Now, that being said, again, boundaries and blessings. Look again. Paul said, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. Now, I think if you go back and look at Deuteronomy, chapters 4, 5, and 6, etc., the length of days promised had to do with Canaan and that land promised given to the children of Israel. But I want you to see something. I want to just maybe take this and use, use it and make some application. Go back and look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. And look at verse 39. Moses said, Therefore know this day and consider it in your heart. That the Lord Himself is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath, there is no other. You shall therefore keep His statutes and His commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. The land promise was conditional, was it not? predicated on their willingness to obey the commands of God. If they did so, they would enjoy great blessings. But if they chose to ignore those commands, then problems would follow. Now drop down, look at chapter 5, verse 16. 
When Moses said on behalf of God, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long, that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So there is the idea, this promise attached to the land. But now turn over to chapter 6. You remember in chapter 6, exhortations were given to parents to teach and instruct their children. And I want you to, well, one of the things he talks about in chapter 6, the tremendous blessings that would come, that would come upon them if they obeyed His voice. Look at verse 10. He said, It shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, when you have eaten and are full. But now look at verse 12. Then beware. Why? Lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. I've heard it said before that typically we do better in times of difficulty rather than in times of prosperity. God blessed them, and as a result of that, they became lax in their attitude toward Him. But drop down, if you would, and look at verse 20. In verse 20, Moses said, When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. Then He brought us out from there that He might bring us in to give us the land of which He swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that He might preserve us alive as it is this day. I want you to see, look at verse 24 again. Moses said that as a result of their obedience, the design was for their good always. Does God want us to have success and prosperity in this life? I think He does. But that success and prosperity is tied to our allegiance to His Word. If we want to genuinely be blessed in this life, we've got to honor God. And one of the real problems in our nation today, we've come to, that, we've come to the conclusion, we just don't need God. We know better than God. Well, the old question, how's that working out? Not so very well. The reason we have so many problems today is because we have turned a deaf ear to God's Word. In Joshua chapter 1, when God commanded Joshua to lead his people into the land flowing with milk and honey. He told him he was to meditate on the law. He was to do it day and night, not to turn from the right hand or to the left. He said, in so doing, you'll make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Success and prosperity tied to what? Honoring the Word of God. By way of application. When we set boundaries in the home, and tell our children there are certain things that you just do not do. One of which is you need to stay away from alcohol. 
There is nothing good that will ever come from the consumption of any kind of alcoholic beverage. Not one. And yet, how many children have ignored those parental instructions and have added untold miseries, not only to their life, but to the lives of others? Same thing's true when it comes to various types of recreational drugs. There is a reason why our parents, or as parents, why we tell our children, stay away from that stuff. We talk about the devil's brew. Well, recreational drugs are destroying our nation. I think I mentioned some time ago, this going back probably 10 years or so, I was asked to conduct a funeral for a young fella in his 20s. He had died from a heroin overdose. His mother said that I'd baptized him. I didn't remember, but if that's what she said, then I guess I did. But he OD'd on heroin. He'd been in rehab a couple of different times. The funeral director told me the day of that service, he said, this is the second funeral we've had today for a 29-year-old male that's died from heroin overdose. Don't tell me we don't have a drug problem in this country. And don't tell me we don't have some young folks that don't have drug problems, because they do. You know how I know that? Because that's just how the world is. And I'm not naive enough to believe that what's in the world doesn't make its way into the church. You might have drank alcohol last you might you might have been drinking alcohol last night, I don't know. You might have been smoking dope last night, I don't know. But you know, God knows. And I can tell you this, it is a dead end street. When Paul said that you may live long on the earth, I wish I could tell you about some folks that were my peers. Never got to go to college. Never got to engage in the profession of their choice. Never got married. Never had children. Will never have grandchildren. And you know why? Because they got behind the wheel of an automobile and they had been drinking. And they've been lying in a pine box for years and years and years. There's a reason why we try to encourage our young people to stay away from that stuff. It will cut your life short. Are there exceptions? Yes. But there are a lot of young people. I had a friend of mine years ago. We were both young, very young at the time. And I never will forget, he told me one time, and I thought, boy, that's so wise. He said, I never had a problem with something I didn't try. If you don't want to have a problem with cigarettes, never smoke. If you don't want to have a problem with alcohol, never take the first drink. If you don't want to have a problem with some type of chemical substance, never take the first toke. Never, ever 
snort it up your nose. Don't ever take a pill. and You'll never have a problem with it. I promise you that. But there's a law in place, and that law has not repealed. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. There are a lot of folks in our world today, they want to sow bad seed, but they always want a good harvest. It does not work that way. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, you remember what Moses said, every seed brings forth after its own kind. In the spiritual realm, that's true. If you want to have corn next summer, what do you do? You plant corn seed. Same thing's true with beans. If you want to have a rich, rewarding life, as Paul said, you sow to the Spirit. But he also said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. You may think you can turn your nose up at God, but here is this law of sowing and reaping. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap everlasting destruction. Now that's true. My prayer is that all of our young people, and I'm talking about all of you that are here today, my prayer is that I want the very best for you. I promise you I do. And I would love to think in 20 years from now that you could look back over your life and say, you know what, it's been a great run so far. One day you're going to have children. If the Lord blesses you, you're going to have grandchildren. What you do will not only impact your life, but it will impact the lives of many, many other people. There are boundaries that must, be, that must be observed. But there are tremendous blessings that will come our way if we just do what's right. And that's really what I'm trying to say. You do what's right, put everything in God's hands, leave it to Him. He'll bless you immensely. A lot of folks in our world today, the train's off the track. Matter of fact, in some homes, it's an absolute train wreck. And there have been times when I've asked myself, who's the Solomon to figure all this out? We want to preemptively engage in life. And by that, I simply mean we want to make wise decisions on the front end so we don't suffer on the back end. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your Word. And we thank You for our young people and for their hearts, their lives, their abilities. We pray, Father, that You would bless them for their goals, aspirations, and dreams, we pray that if it be your will, that you would bless them with those things that they look for in the future. And Father, as parents, give us the wisdom to be the kind of parents that we need to be. Forgive us, Father, when we have, that when we have failed. And Father, we pray for our young people, that they would have a submissive, obedient heart. 
that they would strive to always do what's right. In Jesus' name, amen. Gone longer than really anticipated going, didn't plan to go, but thank you for being here. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. If you're a young person and you haven't obeyed the gospel, I know this, if your parents belong to the body of Christ, I know what they want for you. That is that one day you would become a Christian, become a follower of Christ. And Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He's the great example. If you have not obeyed the gospel, but you believe Jesus is the Son of God, and you would be willing to repent and confess His name and then be immersed in water, the Bible says that all your sins can be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. And then the exhortation is to just be faithful to God day in and day out. If you're here this afternoon, maybe your life's not what it ought to be and you want the prayers of the church to help you get back on track, it would be our privilege to pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing.